0: Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to Franchising in You. My name is Paul Segreto and I'm your host Saturday mornings as we share information and perspective on all aspects of exploring, selecting, and starting a franchise business. Today we'll be talking about setting up the right business entity for your business, although not a glamorous topic. It is one that should be should not be taken lightly. Franchising and You is a production of Franchise Foundry. It's sponsored by Benetrans Financial, the law firm of Spadia Liana, and the real estate professionals at Retail Solutions. And my guest today is none other than a name partner at Spadia Liana, Tom Spadia. Tom, it's great to have you back on the show. Hey, Paul, great to be on
1: the show. Appreciate it uh, very much. Good morning to you.
0: Good morning to you as well. And before we get started, Tom, I'd like to thank you, of course, for your sponsorship and also for the relationship being built between our two organizations. I look forward to Spady Uliana and Franchise Foundry working together for years to come. My pleasure. And you know what? I want to thank you for putting these kind of educational seminars
1: out. I mean, I think the you know, knowledge is power, and folks who are going into small business certainly should gather and listen to these kind of uh, podcasts to really get what they need uh, to arm them to, to have a better chance for success.
0: Well, that's, uh yeah, I agree, and uh, it's, it's comments like this that I received uh, this past Monday. Uh, it says, you have taught me a lot about franchising, mostly through your Saturday podcast. I thank you, and, and, of course, that is what makes it all worth it. Now, Tom, of all the choices being made when starting a business, One of the most important is the type of legal structure selected for the company. Not only will that decision have an impact on taxes, it will affect one's liabilities and even how funding could be secured. So please give us an overview and the considerations taken of the more common legal structure that can be utilized, let's say, to operate a single-unit franchise well in the at the risk of sounding too
1: much like a lawyer here, it depends right I mean, I think that's the <laughs> overriding theme uh, is is it's It's really you know if there was one answer to an entity creation, then we wouldn't have a myriad of choices. so it really depends on your choice, on your individual situation. Um, one big consideration is how many owners are going to be involved in this business? you know if it's a single owner and you're a sole uh, you know entrepreneur, so first of all, you know, at a, at a basic level, you have a sole proprietorship, which is really not an entity at all. It's just you as a human being with your social security number, opening a bank account, trading under the name. I, um, I do not recommend that, certainly, as a small business owner. I think that is uh, risky because what it does is it creates no shield of liability between you and your customers or people you contract or people you're out there. And, you know, in your question, you you pointed out two words, which is what people should write down, taxes, tax implications, and liabilities. They're the two reasons why, primary reasons why, you look to your entity choice. So it's a state-by-state analysis. It's something you should talk with your accountant and CPA over. Uh, But basically, taxes can flow one of two ways. They either flow directly to the owner, and they're not taxed at the entity level. That's kind of a partnership in the traditional way, and an LLC. There's also the subchapter S corporation you might have heard. What ties those structures together is that the entity doesn't pay any income tax. It's apportioned to each individual owner. That is typically in a small business environment the best way to minimize income taxes because you don't have to – you're not taxed at the entity level even though those taxes have gone down. Um, there's still a tax, and then you're taxed either pulling it out as income or that. The other consideration is liability. You really get a very except for partnerships, which is very rare, and I certainly wouldn't do that without advice of your professionals. You're really your earlier two choices are incorporating and an LLC. You know they are your two basic choices. Um, there's more choices, but you shouldn't do that alone um, unless you get professional advice to do something beyond that. And both of those will give you the proper protections. However, I think, Paul, you and I talked about this on a previous show. It's not just the protection you get from forming the entity. It's that if, you know, you go to LegalZoom and you download a bunch of forms and you don't fill them out properly and follow the formality and open a bank account, how you sign your checks, how you present yourself maybe on your website to the franchisor, that's where the real protection comes in. So just forming an entity is not kind of a get-out-of-jail-free card and you know license for protection. It's how you act that is actually more important than just forming um, the entity. So, um, so, so I guess my kind of conclusion, when you're at the outset, you should be thinking of two things, liability protection and tax ramifications for an entity.
0: Absolutely. So what about – if somebody is considering from the onset, not down the road, but from the onset, what if they're considering multi-unit development and, and area development? Is there yep. something else that should be considered? Or what should be the, uh, the outlook for that? So, you know, a best practice is to have a, a
1: strategy based on your comfort level with risk and your exposure to the market. And so here's what I mean. So I also tell people back to my, it depends. One size fits all. The person who every time they buy an airline ticket, they check that little box for the extra forty dollars to get the insurance, um, or every time they buy an iPhone, they make sure they get the premium Apple Care plan. Those folks may want to invest a little more and have a little bit more robust entity structure. So it's it's all on the risk. More infrastructure you put in place, the more entities you put in place, the less your risk is, but more administrative cost and more burden. So no right answer to that. It's just that sliding scale and inverse relationship between risk and reward. Best practice to really protect yourself, the best analogy to think of is think of a ship's hull, right? The old-fashioned big steam ships Mm -hmm. or Atlantic crossing ships that have, you know, seven hulls. Well, the purpose of those seven hulls is if they, you know, hit something or one of the hulls gets damaged or, you know, hits an iceberg is, is the bad example, I guess, here. Um, not to be ghoulish, but if, you know, you lose one hull, you can close off the other six hulls, and the water doesn't get and contaminate them, and, and therefore that. That's the best analogy thinking of a multi-unit or area developer. Each individ- At a best case, each individual location is its own, say, LLC. What that enables you to do is that if you have some issue – I had a client years ago who had one LLC that owned all of his retail locations. Unfortunately, you know, he was doing real well in two of them, and the third one, it was a dud. And the problem is you know, we negotiated um, before that, well, actually it wasn't even with me, a personal guarantee on his lease for only one year. So he was personally liable for a year's worth of rent. However, the LLC had signed the entire 10-year lease, and we were about the second or third yeah. year into it. And it was during the downturn. So the market rent that he was paying, or the rent he was paying was much higher than market rent. The problem was the landlord then was able to say, although we avoided it in other areas, which is why in a crisis you need a professional, the landlord had the potential to reach through and hold the LLC itself responsible for the rent for the entire eight years. That could have completely been avoided if it was its own LLC, because if it was its own LLC, we say, that's a haul, that's take taken on water, that's damaged. Let me close that bad restaurant without affecting the other restaurants. So, you know, when I, when, that's, that's, that's when that really comes in handy, when you have a serious crisis or problem like that. Um, and, you know, there's ways to minimize the administrative burden. Uh, a single-member LLC Doesn't is a disregarded entity at the federal level. You have to check your individual states to confirm that. What that means is if you have a parent company owning the LLCs of each individual store, so the the human being, husband and wife, or husband or wife who owns the business, or set a group, they only own the parent, and then the parent owns each LLC of the individual stores. That way you can have a consolidated tax return. It makes things a little simpler. Everything sort of flows up to the parent, but yet you – so you get the best of both worlds. You get that tax structure, but you also get that um, protection and and that whole system that I was explaining.
0: That's interesting. It's very interesting. I've heard of too many people just adding locations to their LLC, and just like you said, they wind up with three or four, and then when there's an issue, it affects uh, all the locations. Hey, Tom, we have a question from Lakeland, Florida. Uh, Gene asks, I recently signed a franchise agreement personally, but now I wish I had done so as a company or a corporation. Is it too late to do so? So, Gina,
1: that's a terrific question. And, you know, we we, we represent franchisors as well. And I will tell you that you're okay because the truth is the franchisor – is going to require you to sign personally anyway for any of the things happening um, at that level. So the truth is, if it's a retail franchise and you're going to open, um, that's, that's okay because your, your LLC will become the franchisee and the franchisor will either leave you as a franchisee or will make you a guarantee to all the obligations. The reason for that, so a lot of times the franchisor or the landlord is not going to allow you to just escape liability by putting everything into a newly formed LLC. You know, they know that you form this entity with a few hundred dollars and there's a bank account that in the beginning there's not a lot of assets there for that LLC. So, and that LLC really is a you know, is a is a parallel economic engine to yourself. So, they're not going to just they will have no recourse then in terms of the non-compete, in terms of all of that out. So don't have regrets there, Gina. Um, I think you should still form the LLC, but I don't think you should be under the illusion that forming the LLC is going to protect you from the franchisor. In fact, to my last example, um, which is why you should get FDDs reviewed by you know an experienced franchise attorney, my last example of that three-store person with the one-store problem against the landlord, even if all of those entities were independent, that's not going to protect you if you have a problem. If you're, say, defaulting against the franchisor in one store, just about every franchise agreement I've ever seen, certainly every one I've written, has what's called a cross-default provision, meaning the individual owns a franchise, they have a problem in one, the franchisor will hold them responsible for all. The theory being if you're a bad apple and doing something bad, they want you completely out of the system. LLC protection will not protect you from that. LLC protection is going to protect you against landlords in a way and against the general public, contract claims, tort claims. Um, so um, once again, it's not, a, it's not a perfect solution. It's, the, it's just one piece of that. Of that. So, uh, so I think you're fine, Gene. I think you should still make sure that when you sign your lease, that's in an LLC's name. Um, but the franchise agreement, you're okay.
0: Gene, that was a that was a great question. Thanks for submitting it. We appreciate all questions to franchising and you just drop a note to me at Paul at FranchiseFoundry dot com anytime during the week or even while we're on the air. As we can, we'll respond on the show, but rest assured you'll always receive a response to your questions. And I really do encourage you send in your questions. Tom, what about the legal structures implications on future events? And and, and certainly We don't have a crystal ball, but we know there are some that pop up that are based upon a decision, so we'll call them voluntary. And then, of course, there are some based upon necessity, and whether it be a sale of a business, a death of a principal or a partner, an effect on the family, the death of a partner, bankruptcy. Is it too much to think about early on? or are there actually some considerations to be given even at such an early stage as the point of signing the franchise agreement?
1: No, I, I think that's a great reason to really think about your entity structure. Um, I had mentioned when we, when we were starting this conversation about you know partnership considerations. And if you have people, more than one, say, human being owning this stuff, it's all governed under – in an LLC, it would be governed under an operating agreement. For a corporation, it would be under the bylaws. And too many times I have seen people just ignore that, right? And I don't mean to you know, disparage, like, say, IllegalZune you know, or online platforms. They certainly have their role. But what happens is you'll take a template, and you won't look at it. You won't read it. You'll think, oh, that's just fine print. And when one of these triggering events happens, death of a partner – Dispute, you know oh wait, we're 50 50 partners don't worry we always get along well you know that, that, that hopefully that happens but you know guys like me wouldn't be in business all if, if there were never issues to iron out and the majority of disputes happen based on ambiguity at the offset so you have two partners or three partners and they have something in their mind that they never get down on paper and therefore when you have these triggering events you're going to go back to the governing documents. The best, uh, as an aside here, and I think this will help flush out this question a little bit more, think of an entity as its own thing. It's a newly created object. You know, It's not a human being, but under the law, it, it really is. So it's this being, not human being, but being. This entity is now created. It gets a tax ID number equivalent to Social Security number. It can open a bank account. It can act. It can sign contracts. But because you can't touch it, it can't speak. It, it doesn't exist in the physical world. It only exists in the legal world. It can only be it – its actions can only be authorized through human beings who have the authority to do that by, by this governing document, which is the operating agreement for an LLC. So that's how you think of it. This governing document – Is sort of like the United States, right? Think of that analogy. The United States, does it exist? Sure it exists. But the United States can't speak for itself. It can only speak for itself through our Congress, our president, our legislative branch, our judges. They speak on behalf of the United States. How do they have that authority? Well, through the Constitution, through our laws, through our customs. And that is the way to think about your entity, you're creating this little mini country, so to speak, and you have the authority to dictate it. If something happens to you, if you sell this business, if you move it, if you transfer it, we're going to go back to those governing documents, and that's when you, know, you have three people in the room. We want to talk about this. You know, What happens if, if we have a dispute? How do we resolve that? Um, is there a buy-sell agreement? What if I want to buy you out? What if one partner said, oh, well, I'm going to work this many hours in the business, and now I'm not? Let's get all that stuff down on paper. God forbid somebody passes away, and they say, yeah, you pass away, and I don't really necessarily want to be partners with your spouse um, because he or she doesn't really understand the business. I'd like the opportunity to buy out. Okay, and let's start thinking. I mean, that becomes a much more complex conversation, but these are the kind of issues that are much better flushed out in the calm waters of, the beginning stages of the enterprise and you don't want to be writing this stuff in the stormy waters of some sort of triggering event and crisis because everybody may not get along and that becomes really devastating um, and can actually be a kill shot to some of these small businesses because you know they're 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 they they cannot exist um, if they can't survive these kind of actions but hopefully that um, answers the question
0: yeah, I, I think so. And, you know, just put it real simple in terms for people is, you know, it's that document that might be the only thing <laughs> standing there, you know, down the road uh, when different people are gone and different events have happened. It might be just that document standing there. It might be other individuals now focusing on that document. Hey, Tom, we have another question. I love the fact that our audience is really paying attention and interacting. And this question is actually from my neck of the woods in Houston, Texas. Doreen asks, um, I'm confused. Isn't an LLC a corporation? I believe I just heard you say something to the contrary. Um, No, it's a great question.
1: An LLC is, is, is not a corporation. In fact, the acronym stands for a limited liability company. A corporation is incorporated, INC. So there's two types of corporations. There's a C corporation, which is typically bigger companies, and the C corporation doesn't have that tax pass-through. In fact, our friends at Benetrends, if you do a retirement plan, they're going to create a C corporation. It's going to have a lot of benefits to doing that. And LLC is a company. So don't, um, don't mix and match the words company and corporation. Said another way, a corporation is a subset of a company. Companies can be either LLCs or corporations. But a good question. And, you know, so think of it that way. Incorporated is a corporation. LLC is a limited liability company.
0: Yeah, that was a great question and a, and a great answer. You know, Tom, it's amazing that even after 36 years in franchising, uh, how much I still learn every time, I get together with you or any other guests. Any last words of advice for our listening audience on this topic? Yeah, I.
1: I uh, this is my big, my big uh, say pet peeve or press is that it does not end when you form and decide on your entity. That is only the beginning. I have seen too many times the structure, the company structure, whether it be a corporation or an LLC. Fail to give the protection that the owners want because they don't follow the formalities. Said another way, if this ever has to be tested and you're ever standing with your lawyer in front of a judge and that judge says, okay, you're asking me to protect your personal assets or to do such a thing or to treat this company with respect under the law, why should I treat this company with respect? if you never treated this company with respect, what I mean by that is no. you combined your joint bank account with the company assets. You didn't do good accounting. You didn't file tax returns. You didn't sign as authorized member of the LLC. You didn't put the LLC letterhead when you were communicating to Gina's question. I think earlier, you didn't put the franchise agreement in the LLC name. So if you don't treat this company that you've created, this new country, then don't expect others to give it the same formality and respect. So the, the journey begins when you form it, but us as lawyers, we are frustrated because we can't be there with you um, to help you continue with that formality after. And it's the after it's formed that is really what's going to decide and carry the day. You know, you bought this insurance policy, you want to be able to use it. So. That, that, that's, I guess, my, my biggest takeaway and probably the biggest mistake small business owners make.
0: Thanks, Tom. Uh, I always like to, to put it that you wouldn't basically look for your medical care, your health care online. You're going to go to a doctor, and the, uh, the the nice little phrase that I use is don't make legal Zoom be your legal doom. Make sure you contact an attorney, <laughs> and in this case, a franchise attorney. Tom, thanks again for being my guest today. I certainly look forward to having you back real soon. I enjoyed it. Thanks, Paul. Thanks. And as you explore franchising and business ownership, I'd like to remind you again about Accelerate Success Cafe. It's a daily resource that upon subscribing, you'll find an email each morning at 6 a.m. Central Time. And again on Saturdays at 6 a.m. with the weekend edition. It's daily aggregation of news pertaining to entrepreneurship and business ownership all in one convenient place. And in addition, we've been focusing particular additions on various topics, such as franchising, restaurants, and this week we introduced lifestyle entrepreneurship. We'll certainly keep mixing it up to keep it exciting, and especially as we continue to see our numbers increase. And you'll find Accelerate Success shared across social media, but the best way to ensure you see it every day is to subscribe at Accelerate Success, Accelerate, A-C-C-E-L-E-R, followed by the number eight and then success, and that's the spelling for both Accelerate Success Cafe and Accelerate Success. And I've shared the fa- past few weeks, starting in mid-April, we'll be launching Accelerate Success Cafe podcast. We're projecting that we'll broadcast live each and every morning at 7 a.m. Central Time, and we'll complement our daily digital resource. We'll share more information in the next couple of weeks. And remember, if you've missed any segment of Franchising and You, all are available at www blogtalkradio.com slash franchising and you well that's it for this week thank you for including franchising in you as you explore the intriguing world of franchising and business ownership we're excited to be part of your quest as we always say dream it wish it do it and have a great day